everyone. Hello. Uh, welcome here. It's so nice to see so many faces. Um, right after Easter, um, we're back. Feels like we haven't been here in forever. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back. Um, for me, it's really good. I feel really great uh, because I just got off finals. Um, is anybody else in here in school and you just finished exams? No? No one else? Oh, okay, then it's just me. I feel really great. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I made all these plans about how I was going to, you know, I was going to celebrate. And, you know, my parents were out of town this week. I had my place to myself. And I was like, man, I'm just going to have so much fun. And I have all these plans. And, and, you know, I just, like, finals finish. And, like, I go brain dead. Maybe some of you, if you're not in finals, you're not in school right now, maybe you know what I'm talking about because you were once. Um, and, but I just go brain dead. And I am not, I, I can't function. I can't think. I and so I wake up, and it's 10 o'clock, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess nothing's happening today. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm, I've been at, and um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, I thought I was going to go out and, like, you know, have a good time tonight and, like, celebrate, and, like, oh, man, I finished everything, and it's probably going to turn into me and some of my friends just picking up cake at Stella's and eating it in my basement. But, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's, that's my kind of party. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so tonight, um, and, you know, as we were, as I was thinking about, and as I was going through finals, I was, and, and just going through this, like, you know, no sleep, um, and I was thinking about how easy things were when we were younger, and how when we were younger, we thought that everything would just be so much better and so much easier when we get older, and, like, I was that person who in school was like, you know what, I really hate school right now, but you know, when I, when I get to university, I'm going to be doing what I love. And so, like, it's going to be so much better. <laughs> and, like, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm going to love working because it's going to be what I want to do. And now I'm, you know, in university, and it didn't really pan out the way I wanted to. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, that's the thing. We keep getting older, and things keep getting harder. Um, and, it, and I don't think it ever gets easier. And so in saying that, you know, tonight we're in part two of this series that we're doing called The Good Fight. Uh, Brittany started it a couple weeks ago, and she, did, she spoke an incredible word on gossip versus encouragement. Um, and so really what this series is all about, in case you missed last time, this is your first time here, um, or you just forgot, uh, it's about kind of we're looking at these internal struggles that we wake up and we face every day. And really whether you face these, whether you're a Christian or you would call yourself a Christian or not. And so there's, there's these opposing forces that every day you wake up and, and you're, you're faced with, and they're pulling at you. And so uh, today, uh, so we're looking at what God's word has to say about these battles and how we're supposed to fight them. And so tonight we're looking at laziness versus discipline. Oh, yeah, I know. I keep getting that from everybody that I tell. <laughs> every person that I tell, yeah, I'm talking laziness versus discipline. I got, oh, oh. <laughs> And I, I told a friend of mine yesterday who can't, couldn't actually make it tonight, and she kind of got really sheepish and was like, oh, yeah, I should probably be there. <laughs> um, and honestly, um, I kind of thought the same thing when I got the topic. I was like, um, how, how exactly do I even speak to this? Because um, I will be the first to admit that um, I have my moments of laziness. And, like, for instance, I love sleep. I'm one of those chronic, like, I will hit the snooze button a thousand times, like, no matter how, yeah, right, yeah, if you don't, you're lying to yourself, um, and so I have, like, I set probably 20 alarms in the morning, and, and no joke, and it's driving my 
family insane because it just goes off every morning over and over and over and over again. And it's crazy because I have had the same alarm tone for like months, probably a year now. And so now when I hear it in the morning, it's just like, oh, that's my like wake up call. I'm like, oh, it just sounds so nice. Let's go back to sleep. So <laughs> it just like puts me to sleep. Um, and, and I, you know, I could just change it and change it to something more annoying. Um, and if, I mean, I don't know why I haven't. Honestly, I'm just lazy. <laughs> and I just haven't. <laughs> and so, and I just like sleep. Like, I'll honestly, I have two dogs. And so they, I blame it on my parents. I blame it on my family. Because they, I say they've trained them to just, like, wake up at five in the morning and have to go outside. So I'll, like, I'll get up in the morning and I'll, like, tiptoe out of bed. Thinking that they won't notice me. And that they won't know that I'm awake. Go to the washroom. Come back. Get in bed and be like, okay, I don't have to take them out. And sometimes this really kind of bites me in the butt because then sometimes I wake up and, you know, there's a mess somewhere. Um, but I love sleep, and so I don't want to get out of bed. And so I will do anything to not have to go and walk down those stairs in the morning. Um, so clearly, you know, tonight, as I'm saying all these things, I'm also learning, and I'm also preaching to myself because I think we all struggle with this internal battle between laziness and discipline, and it can creep up on us really subtly. I think it's one of those things where we think, oh, I don't have a laziness problem. You know, that's for other people. Um, but we all struggle with this. And so um, tonight I want to take a look um, um, at kind of what Scripture has to say about this. But before we do, um, you know, when, as I looked at this initially, I thought, well, you know, there's not in general really a lot different between how, like, the Bible views discipline in general and you know, the rest of the world. Laziness is bad, and discipline is good. Duh. Um, and so where do we go from there? What's, wh where, where are we left? And so I think it's helpful to look at, actually, the definition of discipline and laziness. And so if we look at discipline first, um, if you look it up, the, the definition is to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Or another definition says, training that makes people more willing to obey or more able to control themselves, often in the form of rules and punishments if these are broken. And then we've got laziness. That's discipline. Laziness is the quality of being unwilling to work or use energy, um, or it is being disinclined to activity or exertion. So discipline, laziness, what does this kind of tell us? Well, discipline is hard. Discipline is uncomfortable. It can be painful. Discipline takes intentionality, so you have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. Uh, discipline produces something. It causes us to ask ourselves, am I producing anything? And if I'm not, or if I don't like what I'm producing, then why am I doing it? And so laziness is essentially the opposite. And so laziness is, happens when we're not intentional. It refers to an avoidance of anything that might be uncomfortable. And it kind of just says, life is good right now. You know, let's kick back. Why would I force myself to do anything I don't want to do? If it doesn't feel right, it's not right. And so we've got these two opposing forces. And the Bible actually has quite a bit to say on both of them, on laziness and discipline. Um, and right about now, you're probably like, oh, no, she's going to tell me all about how man, laziness is a sin and be disciplined. And uh, don't worry, just stick with me. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about discipline. And in fact, what I, found it really what I find really interesting is that um, discipline is actually in line, and work is in line with what God's ultimate plan for humanity is. Um, work is not the result of a fallen world. It's not the result of sin. 
Um, We find this in Genesis 3, verses 8 to 9. If you have your Bible, you can flip to these scriptures, but if not, they'll be in the Bible instead. And so Genesis 3, verses 8 to 9, and then verses 15, it says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. Verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. So before sin ever entered the world, God was placing man in this man into um, the garden of Eden, um, and he told him to look after it, to care for it. And so, sorry to tell you this, but even when you die, you're still going to work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when, when sin entered the world, work just became a whole lot harder. Um, so, good news. Probably won't be as hard. Um, <laughs> but we will work. Um, and so, for the next few moments, I want to take you through scripture and, and take, you through the, uh, take you through God's word and look at some people from the Bible who um, kind of just show us a lot and give us a lot of insight, I think, into uh, what God has to say about discipline, how, the, how he views discipline. And um, I'm going to show you, I'm going to go through three key differences in the way I think that, and the, the way I see that the Bible treats discipline. And this is going to be a flyby overview really quick. Um, a- every point could be a message in itself. Um, you could do a whole sermon series on discipline. So, but I'm going to give you what I think are the, some of the most important points. And because here's the thing, I didn't just come, again, to shame you and to tell you how bad you are because you're just so lazy and we're all so lazy and we're just a bunch of sinners. And, um, and, but I think God wants to challenge you, but I think that he also wants to just put some wind in your sails. I think he wants to um, just kind of release some of this burden on you, but also challenge you at the same time. Um, and so... That brings us, so we're going to just go right into our first point then. And for this, I want to turn your attention to David. And so David is this uh, person from the Old Testament. And so if you're not familiar with the Bible, the Old Testament is the story from, is the the first half of the Bible from the telling of creation all the way till right before Jesus' birth. And so we find David in this context, and we pick up his story in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And so we find David as a really, really young boy. And so he, he's a really young boy, and he is a shepherd of his father's fields. And so what shepherds did, basically they just tended to sheep and goats all day. Um, and so he was looking after his father's fields, his father's flocks, and this was what he did. He was the youngest of the sons. And so that's where we find him. We find him in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Um, and to give you some context around this, so what had happened previous to this is that there was this nation called Israel, and so this was a group of people that God had raised up out of slavery, out of this place called Egypt, and had led them out of it, um, and God called them his own people. And so it's this nation called Israel, and sometime after they had been set, set out of, led out of slavery, um, they had demanded a king. They wanted to be like other nations. They wanted to be led into battle by a king, and so God said, okay, I'll give you a king, and they gave, he gave them this man named Saul. And so we've got Saul. Now Saul was Israel's uh, king, and he reigned for a while, and for some other reasons, we're not going to get into the story, that would be like the whole book of 1 Samuel. You can read it, it's great. Um, but we find Saul, and he disobeyed God, and he chose not to trust God, and so God said, you know what, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you, and I'm actually going to appoint a new king. 
So we've also got this other character. This is the last one. <laughs> we've got Samuel. And so Samuel was this sort of like a prophet. He, they called him a judge. Um, and so he was the person who God sent before Israel even had a king. And so he was sent to lead Israel back to God because they had begun to wander. They also got distracted like us. Um, and so Samuel, he had appointed Saul in the first place, but God said, Samuel, I want you to go appoint a new king, and so I want you to go to this town and find this man named Jesse. So all you need to know about Jesse is that he's David's dad. So he goes to, to this town. He says that he's there for a sacrifice, for this ceremony. Sacrifices were just these animal sacrifices that the people had to make um, in order to get right with God, and they had to do this to forgive, have their sins forgiven, and so on and so forth. But Samuel went to this town, and he told Jesse, have all of your sons line up. And he was going to choose a king from that line. But after all his sons had lined up, lined up, Samuel discovered that none of them was the one that God had chosen. And so we read over here uh, from this scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 to 12. We read, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, replied Jesse, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent, down for, sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. And so that brings us to our first big idea, all from that big, long kind of spiel. Um, discipline means faithfully serving in the season God has you in. Discipline means faithfully serving in the season God has you in. And so from this, th th here's the thing. If you are working hard in the season that God has you in, and if you are running in your lane, God is going to find you. You don't have to go looking for him. He's going to find you, and he's going to meet you in that season. David was out there doing his thing. He was, you know, just looking after the flocks while the rest of his family was invited to take part in, in this ceremony with Samuel. And Samuel was kind of like a big deal. Like when he came to the town, it says that the elders came and they were trembling because they didn't know why Samuel was here. Um, but for whatever re reason, David wasn't even invited. I mean, I would hope that if someone went to your parents and said, hey, invite me to, uh, or introduce me to all your kids, they would, like, remember you and not just invite all your siblings. <laughs> but David was just forgotten. He was not brought, and he was not included. Um, but he served anyway, and he, he owned his season, and he uh, stayed out in that, in that field and worked it and, and protected these sheep. And... But just stop for a moment and imagine how hard this must have been for David. I mean, I just imagine how, uh, you know, it must have been almost demoralizing um, because shepherding was not a noble occupation. Um, in fact, shepherds were considered second-class citizens. And so Samuel asked Jesse to line up all his sons, and Jesse didn't even bother getting David. Like, he was just totally forgotten. And so I think of how difficult it must have been to in one moment, um, you know, because we see that, you know, he's appointed as king, and so in one moment, he's appointed as king, but then in the next moment, he goes completely unseen, because here's the thing, after he was appointed, he didn't just become king. He actually went back to being a shepherd. And so to just feel so seen, and to be appointed as a king, and then to just go back to being a shepherd right after, I mean, that, that just feels so um, just gut-wrenching, like, that to this lowly position, and I think of how easy it could have been for David to just kind of kick back and get comfortable and say, well, you know, I guess God must have just changed his mind. 
Like, I guess this isn't actually happening. No one notices me anyway. I may as well just turn in the towel. But he didn't. He, act he, he kept working. And because we actually see later that Saul's servants later on were looking for someone to play the harp for Saul. And that someone had heard about David and how he was this really talented harp player. And, you know, in fact, he wasn't even just a talented harp player. He was a, a warrior. He was a strong man of war. And, and so they sent for him. And so because David had been busy honing his craft and, and owning the skills that God had gave, given him, he was invited into this palace with Saul where he served him. But, again, still not king. And so before David became a king, he had to serve under a king. And so David had to serve under the very king that held the position of authority that he'd been promised. And it would have been so easy for jealousy to sink in. Like, I, I can't even imagine, like, I, just to think, like, really, God, really? Is this some kind of joke? <laughs> like, you call me to be king. You tell me that you've chosen me. And now, you know, you send me to just being the shepherd boy. Now you want me to be, like, Saul's heart boy? Is, like, is that really all this is? Um, but he didn't. Again, he faithfully served Saul as his heart player. And so from this story, there's two points that I want you to take from it. And the first is this. You'll never be able to walk into the fullness of what God has for your life if you cannot own the responsibility that has been given to you in this season. So if you aren't going to trust God with the small things, you'll never be able to trust him with the big things. And some of you want to be like way over here, and I get it. You, you're looking ahead, and you're like, man, if I could just get over there, but God is trying to do something over here, and you're too busy looking ahead to even see it. And that's why at work, you know, when we go to work and you want the promotion, that's why you have to go through all of these levels. You have to work hard to become the boss because if lots of us, if we were just thrown into that position, we wouldn't know what to do with it. We'd be overwhelmed. We couldn't handle it. And so God is trying to train you. That's why the definition of discipline is training. He's trying to train you in this season so that you can handle what God has for you in the next. But if you don't work hard in this season and if you don't run in your lane, and if you decide that it's not worth your time or effort, then you'll never be able to walk into that fullness of what God has for you because you haven't done the prep work, because you have not done the training. And did you know that it actually took David 20 years from the time that he was appointed as king before he actually became king? And, that, and there's so many people in the Bible. I could, I could list off so many. Abraham, he was 75 years old when God even initially called him. And then God said that he was going to make him into a great nation and give him all these children. And, and he didn't have his first kid until he was 100. And then we've got Moses. Moses led Israel out of Egypt, and they wandered for 40 years before they were brought to the place that God had promised them. Joseph. Joseph was a teenager around 17 years old when God gave him a dream, and he had to wait at least 20 years before that dream came true. Jesus himself had to wait 30 years before he started his ministry. That's going to drive some of you crazy because we know what we want and we want it now. That's how we are. That's how our, our generation is, you know, and I, and I get it. Like, I'm in, I, I'm in school, okay? Trust me, I get it. Um, and we, we know what we want and we want it and we don't have to wait. And the idea of even waiting just a couple of years just drives us crazy. Um, but rest in the fact that God is training you. God is forming you. He is building you up so that when you do walk into that new season, you'll be able to handle it. And then the second point from this is um, discipline is going to look different in, in every season. Sometimes we have this idea that discipline looks a certain way. That, you know, if I'm not going as hard as this next person, if I'm not hustling like them, then, 
I must be lazy. But if we are all training and we all are all on this journey, then discipline is going to look different for every person. Some of you are coming here from some pretty heavy situations um, and you're dealing with a lot. And some, some of you, the battle was just getting up out of bed and getting here tonight. And if, that was and if that's you, you need to know two things. Number one, God is so proud of you. And number two, God is going to use that. God is going to work in that. And he is not going to waste your obedience or your discipline. And so, but God never called you to try to do this on your own. He never called you to just work harder and try harder and do it on your own. If you're rushing ahead, um, God is waiting. If you're rushing ahead and God is waiting for you back here, then you have to try to sustain that pace yourself. But it also doesn't mean that you haven't been called to work hard. Because if you just kick back and take it easy, then you're not going to be forcing yourself ahead anymore. You're going to be lagging behind. And then God is going to be all the way up over here, and he's going to be saying, come, come get me. Come, come join me in what I'm trying to do in your life. Uh, and he's not going to drag you kicking and screaming there. He gives that choice to you. The ball is in your court. And so the challenge is just deciding to take that first step. Now this brings us to our second big point, and I'm going to try and go really quick because I'm running out of time. Um, and so this is all about significance. And so the big idea here is this. In order to achieve anything of significance, it will require discipline. But the outcome of your s discipline may not seem especially significant. That's actually important. The, that's going to mess with your mind a little bit. The, in order to achieve anything of significance, it requires discipline. But the outcome of your discipline may not seem especially significant. And I think most of you would agree with the fact that society kind of sells us on this idea of success and achievement and what that looks like. Like, once I get this job, once I get this promotion, once I get this house, once I have this family, once I have, you know, whatever it is, then I'll know that I've made it. And I'll know that I've been successful. Or, you know, I can never do anything successful without a platform. I can never do anything meaningful unless I'm on this stage. Excuse me, Jesus did the most significant thing in the history of the universe. And he did it by doing the most ordinary thing, by stepping off his throne, coming down to our level, and dying a brutal death and living as one of us. Jesus was born in a small town to a carpenter. And he didn't, he grew up like a normal kid. He, when he got older and when he, when he was an adult, he didn't have the fancy job with the fancy house, the fancy car. Like he was, he hung out with the lowest of the low. And even the people actually in higher authority didn't even like him. But he did the most significant thing that impacted generations. And so you have no, your discipline or lack of discipline doesn't just affect you. This tells me that godly discipline isn't about me and its impact is generational. And a good friend of mine actually told me something. Um, she's told me this several times and it's just something that's always stuck with me and it made me think of this. Um, she's told me, you know, Ariana, if the only purpose of my life is to make sure that you walk into the calling God has for you uh, to reach people, then that's enough for me. And so y your discipline or lack of discipline, again, doesn't, doesn't um, just affect you, and God's purpose for your life might be to just speak into someone else's life and elevate them to, into a position where they are, they are able to walk into the calling God has for them. And a man named Paul in the New Testament actually writes about this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. And he says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. 
for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And so this is written by Paul. Paul, one of the greatest missionaries of all time, um, who once persecuted the church and then actually had this incredible encounter with God and became one of the greatest missionaries ever. I was writing to an early church, one of the earliest churches in the city called Philippi. And this is after Jesus had already died uh, and rose again, risen again. And see, this passage has always been one of my favorites. Uh, it's, I, it's always just kind of sat with me, and it was one that my, my, one of my elementary school teachers gave me and when I had made the decision to follow Jesus. And, and I loved it. But I always, I think, looking back, I never really understood it. Because I think I read it, and I thought, God is going to start a work with me, within me and finish it with me on my own time like God is going to start a work in me and then I he's going to finish it while I'm still around I'm going to be the one that sees this through (laughs) but see I don't think I think when we actually take a closer look at it and read it within the proper context we see that this isn't actually what Paul was talking about Paul says that God is going to continue his work until it is finished and sometimes a lot of us you know whether you're in church or not we get caught up in what can I accomplish, what can I do, uh, how can I succeed. And we start to compare ourselves to other people, other people who are on the stage, other people who are leading this team, leading that team, other people who are doing things that are just getting noticed more than what you're doing. Um, and what, but what Paul is saying here is that godly discipline isn't about you and it has nothing to do with you. God might start something in you, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to be the one who sees this thing through to the end. And you couldn't possibly, because here's the thing, the work that God is starting in you, it's work that started way before you were even a thought, way before you were even born. The work that God is starting in you started at the very beginning of this book. And it's going to continue long after you. But you can be confident of this, that God is continuing that work in you, and God is doing a new thing in you, and he's doing things through you, but it's going to have an impact that carries on long after you're here, long after you're gone. Because your God, our God, will not waste your obedience and he won't waste your discipline. But this means that the things you do in your discipline may not be the result that the world might define as significant or successful. You might never be on a stage like this and you might never be in a position like David. And you might be so frustrated because you feel like you're doing so much and it's just not being noticed. And no one sees you and I get that. But, and... I'm not trying to say that God isn't calling us to do things that are bigger than ourselves, because I believe that he is. If it wasn't, if he wasn't, we'd have no reason to lean on him. But what I'm saying is don't disregard the small stuff. Don't disregard the stuff that's done when no one's watching. The most significant thing you do one day could be just having a conversation with and smiling at someone. Someone who that conversation and smile is going for- to cause them to just fight another day. But that conversation might never have even happened if you weren't willing to just look outside of yourself and get out of your comfort zone and have that conversation. Now our last big point, and I'm going to go really, really fast through this. Ben's getting ready, and I'm obviously running out of time. Uh, And we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 9, verses 23, real quick. Um, And it's a really short passage, but I think that it's just packed with so much. And it says this, Jesus is speaking. It says, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
So choosing godly discipline is going to mean encountering seasons of pain um, and difficulty. But God wants to use your pain, and he wants to use you in spite of your pain. When we look back at our definition of discipline, it means it's a means to an end, essentially. And so usually we think that discipline, you know, if we work really hard and and we do all this stuff, and, you know, we're going to, at one point, it's going to get easier, and then eventually we're not going to have to work so hard. And... But if anyone here knows anything about training, you know that that's really just not the case. Once it gets hard, once it gets easy, then it just gets hard again. Like I said, when we were younger, you know, one of the things that was the hardest thing was learning how to walk, you know? And so when we learned how to walk, we didn't just say, oh, yeah, okay, I'm good. Like, I'm good on life now. Uh, when, we, when we learned how to read in school and, and we accomplished that, we didn't just say, all right, hand me my GED. Like, I'm done now. Like, give me my diploma. Um, no, we kept learning and even if you're not in school right now like we're still learning and so once things get easier we just keep going we don't stop we keep moving forward Uh, we keep progressing and we keep growing but growth brings growing pains when you were younger and you were growing you had growing pains Um, and so the learning process is uncomfortable and actually if it's not uncomfortable and if you're not uncomfortable then you need to start asking yourself am I actually even growing Am I progressing? Am I producing anything? But godly discipline says that it's always going to be hard. The passage, that passage makes it clear. Being disciplined is going to mean taking up your cross, picking it up daily. But here's something else that we read from Paul in the book of Romans, and this is the last piece of scripture I'm going to turn you, your attention to. And it happens in, in, he says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. He says, we can, rec- we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not be lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, so many people will start following Jesus and expect that, man, it's just going to, like, fix all of their problems. Like, their life is just going to get magically easier. And I wish that was the case, but it's just not true. And I really wish that somebody would have told me that when I was younger, that it doesn't just, your problems don't just disappear. Um, But it's just not true. And Jesus actually was very clear that choosing to follow him is difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. Um, But we have a hope that's worth fighting for. We have an end that is worth fighting for. See, I truly believe that because of all of this, Christians, people who call yourselves Christians, we should be some of the hardest working people out there. We should make people look at us and go, man, how, you know, the season that you're in, I was talking to a friend at school and we were just kind of sharing. We'd both been kind of just having a really rough go or having a really rough month. And she asked me, she said, Ariana, like, how do you keep going and just keep going to school, keep showing up and keep doing your work and when everything just kind of sucks? (laughs) And, and I had no other answer for her. It's not because I'm this perfect Christian. Like, it's Jesus. I have something worth fighting for. And so, like I said, like, I don't stand here as the perfect person with it all together. You know, no one on this stage has it all together. Mark doesn't. Brittany doesn't. Zach doesn't. I know it's really easy to look at the person on stage and think, man, like, they just know what they're talking about. And they've got it just like, man. I, I don't. I wish I could tell you that. I This month has been one of the most difficult months. And every moment leading up to this has been a fight. But I have a cause worth fighting for. 
And I will, like, I am not going to let the devil take the win on this. Like, I'm just not. I'm not okay with that. And so I am going to fight. And I, so I don't just mean to gloss over this fact. I don't just mean to gloss over your pain. Being disciplined in this fight for hope is going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be hard. And, you know, I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of people in the room that might be in that place right now. And I do not mean to brush over your pain at all or what you're going through. But to you guys, there's too much at stake. There's too much worth fighting for. You guys, I am so sick of hearing about another young person in our city who took their life. I am tired of hearing about the violence and the hate and the death is just all around us. And I am heartbroken by the amount of depression and anxiety that just has its grip so tight on so many people. And I'm not okay with it and God's not okay with it. And we have, but we have hope and we have hope that there's more. We have hope that there is more beyond what we're seeing right now, uh, beyond this world. Um, and so we can work in this and we can rest assured that God is working behind the scenes. He's not wasting your discipline. He's not wasting your hard work. He is doing a new thing. But there's a very real enemy that would love nothing more than to sell you the lie that your discipline doesn't mean anything. That your hard work isn't accomplishing anything. That no one sees it. That it doesn't matter. And you may as well just kick back because it's not doing anything anyway. Why make an effort if it's not doing anything? And while that may be the lie that the enemy is feeding you today, the truth remains that there is a God who stepped down from his throne and came down to earth and came down to our level and died a brutal death just so that we could have the opportunity, even just the opportunity, to wake up every day and to join him in his mission to save humanity. So that we could wake up every day with even just the option to say, you know what, I'm going to work hard today and I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to search out ways for God to use me. But you also have the other option. You can sit back and you can kick back and take it easy. But you don't have to do this fight on your own. And Jesus, Jesus never asked you to do this fight on your own. That's why when he told us that we would pick up our cross, that he said, follow him. Jesus goes before you. And because he went before you in the most powerful way, and he conquered death, we actually already won. Like, there's already victory. So you can fight this fight from a place of power and a place of victory. And so if you're here tonight and you're just... You just don't know, and you don't know anything about Jesus, but man, you're just, you know that you're tired of fighting this fight on your own. And you're so sick of fighting and just feeling like you cannot win. I'm telling you that there's somebody who's already won. And so in a moment, Brittany is going to come back up after we do this last song, and she's going to give you an opportunity um, to step into that relationship, to step into doing life with the one who goes before you and fights for you. But before we go, I have three really quick um, tips for how you can stay disciplined because like we said being disciplined is intentional means being intentional and so there are steps that you're going to have to take and it's going to be hard and so the first one it sounds really it can sound kind of cheesy it can sound like the typical christian one but start your day with jesus i can tell you from experience that when you start your day in prayer and ask god to open your eyes to the opportunities around you to serve him i can tell you that it's one of the most powerful things you can do and god will come through if you ask him to open your eyes and open doors for opportunity, he will come through. And this is going to take discipline in and of itself. <laughs> so, like, if you're like me and you just, like, turn your snooze button, all, you just press that all the time, 
you know, change up your ringtone. I'm going to do that when I go home. Um, <laughs> or, you know, if you just keep pressing it, you know, put your phone on the other end of the room where you actually have to get out of bed. Or tell somebody else in your house when you want to be up and, you know, make sure that I'm awake so that you can carve out that time. And then the second point is this accountability. We weren't meant to do this life on our own. And you know what? If you were going to be disciplined and, you know, get all these things done on your own, you would have done it by now. So find someone, find someone that you trust, set goals, find that person and say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm struggling with, this is what I want to accomplish, this is what I've set out for myself, will you check in on me? Will you check and just make sure that, you know, maybe it's that spending time with Jesus at the beginning of the day and you just want them to check in and make sure that that's happening. Get, find somebody to hold you accountable and the last one is this, make plans. This is hard, I know I'm learning that it's okay to make plans. <laughs> I hate making plans. I like doing things spontaneously. Um, but make plans so that when you wake up in the morning, you know what you're going to do. You know what you have set out to accomplish. And then you know what? This is twofold. So you're not only going to accomplish things, but when you do that, you're not going to run yourself into the ground to the point where you just don't even want to fight anymore. Because I know I've been there, and I think that it's safe to say most of you have. And so that's going to make time for rest. It's going to make time for balance. So make plans. So those are three easy tools. Well, not so easy, <laughs> but um, three tools that you can use to stay disciplined. And so um, the band's going to lead us into another song of worship. But before we do, I'd just love to pray with you guys. So uh, would you bow your heads? God, um, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for this gathering of uh, people who just have come and have been so obedient and disciplined and have come into the space um, to hear from you. God, thank you for this moment that we can have with you. We know that all of this knowledge, all of it, it doesn't mean anything unless you're in it, unless we're encountering you and having a moment with you. God, thank you that we're able to come into your presence like we are right now and that we can just worship you and praise you because we know that you have victory, that we can stand here and praise you from a position of power. And God, would we remember this, this cause that we have to fight for? Would we not get discouraged when we look around us and see the brokenness in our world, but would we remember um, the sacrifice that you made, that you came down from, your he from heaven's throne, that you came down to earth and you died that death to save it and that you won and so we can go out there and we can fight alongside you. God, thank you for what you did on the cross and, and thank you for the opportunity, just even the chance to be a part of what you're doing. God, we love you and we give you all of our praise. In Jesus' name.